0: We are very pleased to present Avital Ronel's survival kit for the anguish. Avital Ronel is professor at the New York University, and since January 2020, she's invited by the Rencontre Philosophique de Monaco as guest philosopher in residence, a prolific author internationally known in the fields of philosophy, German literature, comparative literature. We are very pleased, and we hope you enjoy Avital Ronel's Survival Kit for the Anguished. What up, everyone? Very happy to find myself back in the saddle again, talking to you, thinking about things, even though they can be oppressive and require a lot of self-overcoming if we understand, as Philippe Lacoulabarte had enjoined us to, that it's still a kind of leftover remnant of metaphysical habits to kind of engage and believe in, so to speak, um, overcoming. Selbstüberwindung is self-overcoming, but there's all sorts of ideological um, outposts that, that really um, cling to overcoming in very moving and necessary ways in terms of all of our um, kinds of attempts to put a world together and to hope for something to um, lead us out of a kind of level of enslavement or destitution so that there's the beautiful song of uh, We Shall Overcome, which is something to, to consider, analyze, deconstruct, to make it stronger, and to understand the kind of so-called speech act that that might constitute. Is it a prayer, a wish, a demand, a protest, uh, a lament, a resignation, we shall overcome, is um, futural. It may be um, an establishment, an installation of will, willpower, or the of the powerless. There's all sorts of ways to try to understand what it means to sing, to say, to hope, to just emit the "We shall overcome" one day. So unbeldi, that's in La Boheme. So one day, it kind of puts a weight on it that makes it wistful. Makes it vague, puts a schedule on it, and also shakes up the notion of calendrial time, scheduling, planning, and um, kind of appointment with the day that should come in order to allow us to overcome, and be over something quite dreadful and, and... sickening in some ways and unjust. So let us think together what it would mean to sing for that overcoming and the tradition in philosophical thought where the hope or the um, even certitude that overcoming would be a responsibility and something that we should orient ourselves to. So it's July, it's um, between Derrida's birthday and Jean-Luc Nancy's birthday coming up. It's all sorts of dates and days that we might consider. July, that might seem like a moment of pause or halt or rest. It's also, for many, In a lot of areas, a midsummer night's ream, people are suffering, people are uh, being poorly guided and led in a time of increasing exposure and danger and injustice, certainly um, in my, one of my home countries, the United States. So we send our Energy and wishes to those whose um, predicaments are dire, unwarranted, uh, and part of a long history of um, despicable inequity. So, until now, we've been working on a kind of cultural virology. So, that we what I mean by that is not only uh, and certainly not even. In a secondary way, have we had the time to um, analyze some of the um, medical uh, conceptualizations of what constitutes immunodeficiency, uh, a failing body, a failing apparatus, the way that cellular um, kinds of organizations work or fail very often Um, producing entire metaphorical fields, but we are also concerned with and attentive to cultural uh, ways of of releasing the thought and the metaphorology, the metonyms, the rhetoric, let's say, of virological, Superspreading, of infestation, infection of weakness that often has a quasi-dialectical relation to strength. Um, if you read Nietzsche closely, you see a major philosophy of Im- immunological um, um, structuring and destructuring so much so that those who appear to be weak and even develop a discourse of meekness and inheritance, such as the meek shall inherit the earth, are, according to Nietzsche's way of um, analyzing their choices and and very sneaky, according to him, but successful, media-savvy, Takeover, in his case, the pessimists and the Christians, um, you will note that the those who position themselves as meek or weak are actually in Nietzschean terms that, that need to be carefully regarded and, and scanned and, and approved, tested, as he himself asks for um, certainly not afraid of testing to failure. In Nietzschean terms, the the weak are the strong. And those who are strong and noble and capable of standing up to insults and um, destructive attack and insinuation, they are weakened. They are weakened the way in Jean-Paul, the great... Um, German romantic writer, um, points out, apropos of stupidity, that one has to be careful in one's house of being and in one's house because the most uh, solid-seeming house is undermined by tiny little termites. That would be his example and his um, parasitical choice, so to speak. In other words, even the mighty in a Nietzschean sense are undermined by stupid little pernicious nagging or serious infestation attack, and they lose ground. So losing ground is something that clearly can only happen to um, those who more or less posit or imagine and hold on to a strong imaginary of groundedness and having ground. You don't lose ground unless you, in some way, even if it's um, part of a will to fiction, in Nietzschean terms, something that you've um, acquired for yourself. Um, So we would want to expand the maps and cartographies of of the cultural virology to um, continue to uh, not limit ourselves, but expand that which um, terrifies, creates anguish, but also in the To the degree that it um, relies on and is um, launched by strong affect, it will have also been part of a desiring uh, apparatus or a desire machine, as Deleuze and Guattari preferred. So whenever we uh, try to focalize something that seems to be negative, pernicious, undermining and destructive, You also want to look for the tracks that let you read the signs to Beyond the Pleasure Principle, meaning if there were a beyond. Derrida says there's no Beyond a Pleasure Principle, and is it even a principle? But let's not uh, complicate things uh, too joyfully. Let's start and take our little steps on the path that also means or comes from in French. I'm sorry, in Greek. French is my Greek. um, Methodos, methodology. Method is the... um, Methodos comes from path. What path will you take? So we want to complicate our itinerary and see refractor paths, and understand that infection, as horrifying and seriously devastating as it must be, and somehow at once invisible, and its effects are all too manifest, it also becomes the seat of some kind of perversion, desire, delight even, some of you may remember the breakthrough um, films of David Lynch, Blue Velvet, uh, just to focus in on, zoom in on, uh, uh, maybe a minoritized sector. there's a desire to be infected by the other. So that last time when I said we are sick of man, or we're sick of um and the little scrambled omelet that uh, presents itself and dominates in dreary and and problematic ways to this day, to be sick of something is also to be um, invaded by. And when you're invaded, you're also in that. Not always, but if you were to follow the very carefully laid out protocols of Levinas and Derrida and so many others, whatever invades may have an ambivalent structure that um, invites desire as well as disgust, fear, terror, might be part of the boundary breaking that um, desire calls up. So we don't want to be... um, too prudish about the kinds of things that attack us and also attract different kinds of valences. And it may be that um, we want to move with some of the uh, outer limits of what constitutes desire, horror, Repugnance, which we talked about, revulsion, and how um, these are in some ways constitutive. So I'd like us to keep the complication, the mess, the difficulty outside of um, the constraints and reductions of mere categories or taxonomies that we apply in order to um, master something that always... um, overwhelms its boundaries. So we want to continue thinking about what gets exposed, who gets exposed, what are the risks of exposure, and why are there also um, a kind of death drive installed in these um, dreadful undertows that take us down but call us out in certain ways that would require serious reflection. So um, let us keep open uh, a sense of what these vulnerabilities invite, imply, uh, build on, collapse on, or into, shade into, metamorphose, and change the lock on. now, I know I'm kind of galloping along, and I always have a little moment where I, I sigh and lament about my speed, whether it's too slow, too fast. And in that way, I keep hanging on to the rhythmus, the originary Greek sense of, of um, the way that thought gets dispersed and being is leaned into, which is what's the rhythm, How does the cadence, that's how Nietzsche picks up the relay, how does the cadence determine man uh, at all and um, parse us and and call us to walk the walk? So among the things that we were um, thinking about involving our different kinds of isolations and solitude, uh, some of which we uh, started... Jamming on beginning with Defoe, Rousseau, um, James Joyce, who, as Derrida points out, is very dependent on Defoe, whom he credits with uh, starting up uh, a truly English literature. Before that, even Shakespeare only devoted his texts to uh, so-called foreigners like Hamlet the Dane, Macbeth, um, Julius Caesar, then the weirdos that show up in in um, in Shakespeare's world in the Globe, and then the only English properly English um, type would be someone like Falstaff, who's a bit of a Humpty Dumpty, um, but All of this to say that the names I have just accounted for very briefly, all too quickly, and kind of simply graded in a quick way, um, are very indebted to um, Defoe, uh, not Shakespeare, of course, as a departure, Defoe as a departure from Shakespeare, but according to James Joyce, also because Defoe started a thinking not only of the isle, the island, um, the British isles, and began a colonialist um, kind of vocabulary of properly British cruelty and national destiny, Um, but he began a thinking also of of solitude which only manifests in terms of a relation to to community, to a collectivity, to a world that um, has signs that seem to be readable. But among the categories of solitude, which we've already visited with many of, which we um, commented, including um, isolation, desolation, alienation, there's one that I hadn't considered that um, Derrida gives uh, voice to, and that's insularity. Uh, what is the experience of insularity on an island? Or when you're in, like, in it, it's likenable to when you're in um, a penitentiary um, confinement or lockdown, which is a vocabulary of imprisonment. But insularity, which would be part of that experience, meaning usually uh, a cushioning, having a cushioning effect and something protective that we would want to consider in a larger immunological um, let's say rhetoric of of vitality. What, it, what would it be to be insulated? And how does that um, cushion the house of being? So these are some questions that I submit to our um, discussion. And we continue, by continuing, to think about what, what happened, what will have happened, what hasn't yet manifested itself as part of the event that escapes us, and at the same time, has marked us and inscribed itself on our bodies in various ways, including in morbid, serious, mortal ways. But one of the um, quasi-themes, it's not even a full fleshed theme or a motif, would be uh, that of the interruption that we started with. So there's many types of interruptions, and I'd like us to... Um, Get a hold on that, if that's possible, that's a little contradictory, but that hasn't stopped me before. There's different words to designate interruptive force. There's an interruptive force that um, breaks things down, break things, breaks things off, breaks up with things, and um, as we said at a different time, uh, a breakdown, such as when your car breaks down, reveals, according to Heidegger's thinking of technology, the essence of the car. So when something breaks down in its equipmentality as a tzoik, as a thing or an object of technical dimensions and implementations, it reveals its essence at that moment. um, You start I suppose we could think about that in different ways. You start thinking about the carness of the car, what it means to transport oneself, be transported, be strapped in, be forced to be deported to, and all sorts of ports and portations that um, are imported or exported or. Um, Are part of a a syntax of what we could call porte, comport, or carrying. And we'd like to think about that as we began to in terms of caring and carrying and what gets porte. And in what way is this measurable by or disclosively? put forth in something like a halt alt, a halt haltung, a carriage even, so halt, an arrest stoppage, suspension what does it mean to be suspended or to experience the limbo of suspension um, what kind of a temporal intrusion is that, or an opening, possibly, or a kind of breakdown that reveals some kind of essence of being, its being, what has been suspended. So how do these interrupters work um, to break off from a kind of normality or humming engine of being or humming kind of smoothness, or the way we smooth over things, conceptually even. What if everything suddenly stops? And you know in, com- in intense commemorative moments, entire cities stop and remember the dead or remember the Shoah or remember those we've lost. There's a moment to stop, to break off from the time of, let's say, ontic schedules to a more theological opening of time, even time immemorial. So how do we memorialize even that which we haven't experienced or can't experience to the extent that it goes to the limit of our mortality? So many writers and thinkers have... Um, gone to the limit that we could call a breach or an interruptive um, shock and try to inhabit it or at least let themselves be be, um, shaken down, disturbed, irrecuperably sometimes. And I'm thinking of Kleist in the Marquise von O when he's um, organizing the text there's uh, the the sudden breakage and the emergency brakes are pulled in the form of a dash and um, all of the events in that text kind of frenetically run around that dash that is the absence of a link or the refusal to say, the inability to represent the... um, Failure to convoke language or to um, cover up uh, an event, the event of an event that sometimes goes undercover and gets um, uh, precisely smoothed over or uh, recuperated by language, a language that may necessarily have to move in the, around the peripheries of eventfulness. For an event to be an event again, and we've said this before, it has to kind of overwhelm us. It can't be simply mastered or conceptually uh, put together again. It can't be um, part of the um, certainty of, of referential authority. So we want to consider not only narrative breaches, such as Kleist has crucially brought to our attention in the history of literature and and all poets kind of tight trope, tight rope, they tight trope, they work with breaks and diacritical marks such as ellipses, dashes, and all the other marks. That you can imagine, in order to show that the saying or language fails to to arrive at its um, ability to um, present, represent, or that um, that something is even too small to be captured in language. That's kind of the route that Kafka takes. He's working with a spec very often, rather than the spectacular. So let us consider interruption, the breaches, the violations of narrative, let's say, codifications that we think we've got down, as a kind of um, also uh, defiance of history, to the extent that history telling, or the recounting of history, rarely tolerates breaches or um, relies on dashes to not tell-tell uh, uh, what can't be known or what traumatically has to have been forgotten or thrown to oblivion. Um, history or more modernist representative texts even or other types of texts uh, wouldn't be able to swallow the uh, poisonous inference of uh, narrative breaches that poets have to take on and um, multiply and and live with as as a kind of um, dilemma of of saying the saying. If you want to think more about the saying, you would go to Levinas and others. Um, there are different ways of saying and not saying, withholding what what needs to be said or wants to be said uh, in the way that Emily Dickinson um, painted her way into a linguistic corner time and again. So from the start, I said that I wanted to consider with you um, something of a poetic moment coming from Atemwende of Paul Celan, So, um, the way the breath turns, um, the, um, the way he ends his small poem with Die Welt ist fort, ich muss dich tragen. So, world is gone, the world has absconded, it's gone, it's fought. Here you can even hear the falta of Freudian Vintage, where the child plays with absence and presence under the maternal bed or the master bedroom, the master signifier, um, uh, and trying to get control of the absence of the, or absencing of the mother. Die Welt ist fort, ich muss dich tragen. So the world is gone, I must carry you. Um, this is one of the um, verses that has kept traversing us and held us together as a kind of super glue of, of consternation and worry. Doesn't supply answers. It's it's the enigma of a saying that um, tries to situate poetry exactly where world is no longer. If the world is, it's fault. It's gone. It could be um, insinuating a French reading for far, um, but then it would be fault, um, which would be the world is strong, I'm going to carry you, I'm strong, I'm the world, no. It could also um, have all sorts of other indications, and different kinds of estrogen um, volumes, like I must carry you as I'm pregnant with you, the way Nietzsche said I'm pregnant with the future, or... Um, I must ertragen, I must tolerate you, I must support you. And supporter, in French, also means tolerate. I have to put up with you, I have to put you up. Um, It could also indicate the way you carry the other in birth or death, and death. In Nietzsche, there's a corpse that we carry. It's very hard to, though this should be what he, or at least he asks us to, Bump the corpse, get it off our backs, get this monkey off your back. Um, So it's a matter, among other things, of toleration. I have to tolerate the intolerable. I have to bear. Tragen is also bear. I have to bear the unbearable. Because the world is gone, the world has shattered, which means... Absent the world, I mean, I'm, when I say which means, I'm, I'm suggesting in a Kafkan way, as a child of Kafka, that we all are, or according to multiple Nietzschean perspectives, or indeed other um, readings that um, notably Derrida introduced on the subject of Ceylon's enigmatic yet invigorating uh, poetic moment here it could say to the extent that we can't rely on the world even on others or the world isn't worlding or worlds only to the extent that it's gone um, it calls on me this withdrawal of the world and every event is uh, has something to do with its own withdrawal, leaving a trace, a barely recognizable one. To the extent that the world has withdrawn or doesn't show itself in, in the way it used to, let's say, in onto theological grandeur or solidity, even, or, or something we could even say with some confidence. Um, to the extent that it's gone, I have to step up and carry you and care for you and tolerate you and birth you and death you and um, take you in hand and carry you to the extent that it might be um, dragging, and dragging me around, drag, a drag. Um, it might be something that I take on, assume precisely in the absence of um, a solid kind of uh, indication, prescriptive ac- access to ethics, to that which will guide me or tell me what I'm to do. It may be that only insofar as the world is gone must I step up and rise and take the call that asks me to carry something out that is now a kind of hyper-responsibility, part of a hyper-ethics that I'll never accomplish or fulfill, but this must, this I must carry you comes in as an injunction. There's a law that gets established when the world is gone. So um, it could be an internal alterity, as we've discussed before, who is the one or the multiple ones or the plurality or the singular, plural, outside, inside, that I must carry. So we're on our own, is what it seems to suggest. We're on our own to the extent that I'm carrying you. I will um, assure you, I will uh, take you to where we need to go, which may not be something that we recognize or understand. It's, um, you know, these two moments in this last... uh, phrase or verse in Ceylan's poem are separated only by a comma. And since we were talking about breaches and interrupters, how does the comma work here? Um, it certainly seems to replace or dash or, or slash uh, causal indication. The world is gone. It doesn't say, therefore, I have to carry you or I have to step up or it's up to me. I take the call of your destitution and your poverty. Um, How does the comma function there? Can we read it? Is it um, indicating a disjunctive relatedness of the two moments of this utterance? So this is um, something that we started with, a poem, a moment in a poem. I would, if we had time and, and expanses that permitted us to, to go further and back and ahead and into other temporal zones as well. I would want to root this momentarily and provisionally in Höldelin's um, verse, which is, Den keiner trägt das Leben allein. And here you do have a causality, but this is very typically Höldelin, out of nowhere. He pulls out uh, uh, an indication of a cause without, say, a premise, without a ground, without a rhetorical um, uh, justifier. He just says, for or because no one can carry, so that comes from tragen, life by herself. Or alone no one can tolerate life alone or no one can take responsibility without the other without being for the other um, no one can uh, access or move through life by oneself so this is just the startup moment to link all poetries together including the philosophical poetry of Spinoza that we also traversed and Hannah Arendt with her strong flex of political action that requires us to befriend to take on um, a certain kind of cheerful burdening with the other so it's, these aren't, you know, have a nice day kind of um, injunctions, nor are they sure of themselves necessarily, even though they have a prescriptive and declarative kind of um, authority, as they get said. But And no one says that it's going to be easy or fun or delightful or light-filled but um, let us consider for the moment, together and apart, in our isolation and insularity, with the greatest risks of our various levels of exposure and infective desires, horrors, mortality wounds, and mortal wounds. Let us consider that. Die Welt ist voll. Ich muss dich tragen. So take care, everyone. Carry on. Be careful. Be strong. Be proud.